I'm Gab, he's Jules. Blue skies over West London, although not so much Chelsea. Of course, they were knocked out despite winning uh, against uh, Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. Uh, Bayern Munich, also oh. out of the Champions League. How about this for Champions League week? Yeah. Liverpool making it, even getting a slight, not quite a scare at the end, but conceding more than they would have liked. But, Jules, we have to start with what we saw uh, at the Wanda Metropolitano. Yeah. Atletico Madrid against City. I'm, I said last week, I said last week that obviously I know which kind of football I prefer. I know which kind of football yields results in the long run. It's not Diego Simeone's, in my opinion. But over those 180 minutes, his approach in that second half, in those last 20, 25 minutes when he sent on the cavalry and he was creating chances and Ederson was making that save. Which one? What chances? Well, what, the Korea one in the 12th minute of at the time at the end of the game? No, I'm talking about the... Which uh, one? The, okay, I, I don't have the exact okay. times in my head. Okay. But, I'll give you the time. Okay. Go on. The Cunha one, the Stones... I have the, um, I have the, the Rodrigo de Paul one, which he, which, which he sends wide. I had the Stones one where the ball can go just about anywhere when Stones th- throws himself in the way. Uh, I have the Ederson one where Ederson injured or pretended to injure, I don't know, his shoulder... I mean, there were at least four or five chances. And look, you, you know, know the expected goals. You can, no, no, listen, listen, yeah. listen, listen, listen. Okay. You, you don't tell me about expected goals. But I love my expected goals. You, you're happy with the team I'm that not, plays 15 minutes over 180 not, minutes. No, no, and no, no, you no. said this is the right approach. I'm not saying it's, it's the correct approach. It's an approach that worked for Diego Simeone. I take your point about the expected goals, right? And you can turn it around and say... Well, City should have converted more chances. To which Pep Guardiola said, well, we would have wanted to, but they made it really, really difficult for us. And I think that's also true. They set out, they said, we're simply going to defend and destroy. And then towards the end of games, they tried it in the first leg when they sent with a triple substitution. Didn't quite work. We're going to try and go for it. And we're going to use the environment and, 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 and the crowd and whatever else. And I think on that night, and Pep Guardiola said this as well. He said, you know, we deserve to go through over the 180 minutes, and I think they completely deserve to go through. But equally, we were quite fortunate the thing worked out the way they did because those were scary moments at the end. And if you're Atletico Madrid and you're playing Manchester City, one of the two best teams in the world, I mean, every day of the week you'd want to be in that situation where you've got them in the back foot, you're I, pushing, you're desperate, and you still have a chance to take the game into extra time. So you see the glass of elimination half full, I see it completely half empty. Why don't you play more? Why don't you play more football instead of the, just the last 20 minutes and, and have played so defensively for 160 minutes? I, don't, I just don't understand. The last 20 minutes showed that if Atleti wanted, with the players that they have, it could be such a different team. And yeah, maybe they would have lost 4-1 the first leg and won have 3 to the second leg and still be out. Okay, but at least you would have tried. Now you're out and we you said, try. oh, we did okay because there was those 15 minutes at the end. That's not enough. I, That's not enough. And you know why I'm happy? I'm happy that they got done at their own game because City, in the last half hour, played like Atleti used to. They rolled on the floor. They wasted time. They, they were clever in the way they defended. They defended well. Yes, there's a few... Chances, half chances. I mean, 0.7 expected goals at home in a game like that. I don't call that, you know, super scary moments. And I, and I think this is a game that City maybe would have lost two years ago. And I think it shows how long they've come defensively in terms of collective strength defensively, the way they play defensively with the ball in the first half, without the ball in the second half. Yeah, they were under pressure. Yeah, I think at times they still panicked a little bit. But Fernandinho... I thought did well when he came on. I thought losing Walker was the big one because he was the best defender on the night until the injury. But but I still I'm still miffed by by the way Atleti played in the whole two games. I have to say. First of all, I completely agree with you on the city mental toughness. P- people have said City are soft in the past, right? Mm-hmm. People have said that about Pep's teams. Oh, they're they're, they're too pretty. Um, you know. If you look at City and you say, you know, who's a thug there? Who would you want? Who would you? Which City players would you want on your side in a dark alley <laughs> when you're getting jumped, right? Yeah. And frankly, for me, Ruben Diaz, yeah, definitely. Fernandinho. Kyle Walker looks like he'd be pretty. Kyle yeah. Walker is like, yeah, I oh, know Walker. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Walker could take care of himself. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, I can't. I mean, like, yeah, Rodri's tall. Yeah, yeah. big deal. Fernandinho, right? right? No, Fernandinho, I think. Right. You know, okay, but Fernandinho is also like grandpa, right? Yeah. So they showed. 
that they are really, really tough. And they showed that they could get through that scary moment. Remember City's legacy? Remember all the story? Oh, City bottling it, Pep bottling it, yeah. overthinking, blah, That's blah, blah. I mean. This All of this would have come back out. And to do it in that cauldron, I think we have to praise um, Manchester City for that. Completely. I, I'm just fascinated by Diego Simeone's approach in, in this return leg, right? So he knew they had to score. They're 1-0 down from the first leg. To me, the plan was very, very simple. Keep it tight, wait, maybe tire them out, take something on the counter if it's there, which is why he set up with this television additive 5-4-1 formation. The only thing that made it marginally more attractive than the first leg was the fact that, you know, you had three attacking players, if you want to call Lamar and Griezmann attacking players. Although it's a philosophical question. If I tell Griezmann, who is an attacking player, to play as an auxiliary fullback, is he still an attacking player? He's not anymore, trust me. And I have Joe Felix up there, this poor little guy. He looked even younger than he is, about 13, right? And he's getting batted about. And then obviously at the other end, you know, the big boy is getting physical from the beginning. And they said, okay, City, you have the ball. We'll defend deep. You said something off the break that it looked as if City's, I think City at some point were close to 70% possession, I think, in the first half. It looked as if City were saying, all right, we do not want to give up a goal and inflame the Bernabeu. We're going to keep the ball. We're going to be smart with it. Sorry, the the one the Metropolitano. Mm. And we're almost going to defend with possession. Yeah, I think the idea certainly for the first half was to defend with the ball. Which is harder, I think, to do than, than it sounds like. Because you say, oh yeah, of course, you keep the ball. But you can't keep the ball in a game like that for more than 70%, I think, away from home. So they tried as, as, as much as they could to just defend with having the ball. In that sense, I mean... That's why maybe they created less than you would have exactly. expected them to? So, for example, where you would maybe at times find the verticality and want the Bruyne in transitions quickly forward, in that time... Maybe you find the extra pass, which, which Pep loves. He always talks about this, this extra pass, especially in those circumstances and those, those conditions. And if you want, you use Walker as a third centre-back. So you forget about Walker almost as a, as a right-back. He's purely there when you have the ball as, as your third centre-back. So if, if ever you lose the ball somewhere on the pitch, wherever that is, you know that... Yeah the Stones, Laporte and Walker are there in place and then good luck for whoever wants to run in behind or take them on, you know, 3v3 or 1-1-1. And that first half worked perfectly. They could have scored with the post and I think this is a chance they should have taken. And there was a few others where... But I don't think the idea was to go and score. Of course, if you can score, you're going to score. It's crazy. But but, but not so much with the ball. I thought, I mean, I agree with you. I, I thought that was an interesting approach. I mean, further evidence of that, if you look at Bernardo Silva's starting position, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bernardo Silva, I think we can, we've obviously a phenomenal footballer, but he's essentially another passer, right? So you have Bernardo Silva and Gundogan and De Bruyne and Rodri and Jacques Cancelo, when he steps into midfield, he can play make. That seemed to be the idea. And when, when I mean, I've had Pep talk about this, but when you are doing what you're talking about, defending with the ball, it's extremely physically tiring yeah. for the other team. What I do wonder about is we're in the era of the five substitutions, though. And I, I wonder to what degree Diego Simeone figured, okay, fine, you want to do that? Let's do that. And then I'm going to meet you in the second half. And then we'll yeah, see where then, it goes. Yeah, you know, maybe. We're not going to score. You're not going to score. And then I'm going to throw on the fresh legs, and then we're going to see what happens. And in the meantime, you know, I'll introduce a bit of edge into the game, as we saw from Phil Foden's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, maybe, maybe. I thought it was interesting as well, and we saw that against Liverpool on Sunday, and we mentioned it on the show on Monday, and I think we saw it again. Certainly the, the two big chances in the first half come from those long balls in behind from City towards Walker and Cancelo, which is something they never used to do. The idea was always to find a 2v1 somewhere yeah. in, in different areas of the pitch for City to attack. Now, Laporte or Stones don't hesitate to play long towards Cancelo in behind or towards Walker, like we saw in behind with Alexander-Arnold and, and Robertson against the games in Liverpool. And I think we would see that again on Saturday in the FA Cup semi-final. And this is something that instead sometimes of just playing between the line, because there's a risk, as we saw, for example, in the, on the Bayern goal against Villarreal, where if you try to play forwards from your midfield between the line, there's a risk that you can, the ball gets intercepted and then the other team is on the attack. If you play long like that, if you lose it, 
they, they, right. you're, you guys are still on because position. let's not forget yeah. especially in the game on Wednesday night what Pep was the most scared is what Atleti would do straight after recovering the ball so what City worked hard on was okay we might lose the ball at some point we, we're going to make sure that they don't use it they can't, they can't use yeah. it and, 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 and that's a great change because often when when City lose the ball you have them counter-pressing immediately high up the pitch, right? Yeah. I mean, not to the degree that some other teams do it, but you see you see that a lot, right? Yeah. Here, it was almost as if, okay, if we lose the ball, our first sense is to regain our shape to make sure you can't do anything with it. Exactly. Um, and again, you know, people say Pep overthinks, people stereotype Pep. I thought that was pretty mature from, from Pep. That, I mean, was, and, and that was correct. That was maybe in some ways... Pep going against the stereotype of Pep. But then again, Pep's been going against the stereotype of Pep for the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. that some Muppets haven't noticed. Um, but, but, but to go back to your point about them being under pressure, if you look at it, once Skywalker gets that injury, after that, it's far more difficult for them to defend the way they would have liked to defend. And that's when Atleti have that, that, that spell where they create half chances, chances where they are the most threatening. I think if Walker is fit and stays on the pitch until the end, I'm not, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure the end of the game is the, way it, is the way it was on Wednesday night. I think City could even even better with the threat going forward from Atleti. I think one thing we haven't mentioned is that this game for City came sandwiched in between yeah. um, the, the two Liverpool games. Whereas Atleti at the weekend, obviously, they played Mallorca, they yeah. lost. They rested players, their Completely. heads weren't really in it. I think that also impacts. You know, yeah. there's a human side, nine there's a mental 11. side of it. Nine, nine players started on Wednesday who started on Sunday for City. It's yeah. huge. Nine, after the intensity of Sunday against Liverpool to have nine of them players still start in a game with as much intensity but in a different way, less running but the, the mental intensity and, and, and all of that, it's, it's crazy. I thought... His, I'll, I'll be you. I'll talk about substitutions. Okay. But I thought those were the right substitutions that he made. Um, bringing on Carrasco yeah, to yeah, force yeah. the one-on-ones against higher Definitely. legs. Uh, bringing on Cunha where you know you had more of a chance to hold things up. Yeah, and Co- Correa as well. And Correa sneaky. And then eight mm. minutes from time, you know, you, you you bring on Luis Suarez as well just to ratchet exactly. it up further. Um, but you know what I don't understand for from the athletic point of view, and I, and I know this is the mentality that. El Cholo transmits to the yeah. to the team to the dressing room, but you you you've got the upper hand. We in the last ten minutes, you are putting them under pressure, and then Felipe goes and does and does what he did on Foden, which breaks the, the momentum that you had as as yeah. an Atletico side, breaks the rhythm that you had. They were there, f- not for the taking City, but they were clearly under pressure. So and then that stops all that momentum, and then you go into a fight and you go into this. This, this, this crazy, what, five, seven minutes. But, but just think, okay, you tackle, you get, the, Felipe gets the ball. Uh, yeah. If you don't kick Foden. I think you make a great point there because logic suggests, dudes, you guys are the ones who need to score. Yeah. Keep the pressure up, get the ball back and play quickly. If anything, it was City. And I think there was some time wasting quite evidently from City going yeah, on as well. Yeah, understandably. yeah, of course. I'm um, not 100% though on the Felipe one. I've seen this again. Felipe goes to win the ball from, from, from Foden, and right? And he does. And he wins the ball. Yeah. That's not the foul. No. I'm watching, I, was watch, I watched that bit actually on his television, and heard Glenn Hoddle say, oh, look, he kicks out of him uh, as he's getting up. I don't think he kicks out at Foden at all. I'm, I'm, I'm it not looks sure like he swings his leg, to be yeah. fair. He looks like... But he's he looks sliding like he's... and he's getting back up. Mm. He's not going to do any damage. If, look, if Foden was hurt, and I say if judiciously, he hurt himself because of the sloppy way he came back down. He didn't land properly, right? I mean, that was pretty obvious. Yeah. That's not down to... I, I think the reason Felipe lost it there... I mean, there were, I think there were two things going on. One is, obviously, the referee decided to show yellow, which I'm not sure was warranted. Um, at all, mm. and at that point, because he looks like he swings his leg. We had you were, we had Joan Juru, the former Arsenal defender and Swiss international on on French TV, and he said, "Trust me, I've done those tackles, and I've followed through like that, and I've swung my leg. I know exactly what Felipe was trying to do." Okay. And, and maybe you know what? If that's the case, I haven't played at Joan Juru's level. No, no, but you know what I mean? level. No, no, but I'll say this: if if this is the case, if this is the case, 
then I think you need to praise the referee for that. People always talk about referees. They don't understand the perspective of footballers, blah, 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 right? Yeah. So that part, fine. Afterwards, Phil Foden, however hurt he was, he makes sure that he rolls, yeah. which, again. And he rolls back on the pitch. And he rolls back on the pitch. And, like, this is, I, all these distinctions about, you know, it's a foreign thing, blah, 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 I think, in modern football. <laughs> These differences have waned, right? Yeah, completely. Foden knows what he's doing. He says, what is the worst thing that can happen if I take an extra roll onto the pitch? Nothing, right? Maybe I'll get booked. That's the worst possible thing that can happen to me, but we're going to waste more time. Yeah. And I'm not going to get up on my high horse because Atletico Madrid does the exact same thing. Yeah. Most teams in that situation would do the exact same thing. Yeah. Equally, Savage coming over... I think that's the thing. I wonder even if Felipe gets sent off if Savage doesn't start the brawl. 100%. I'm not sure Felipe gets booked. Yeah, I if agree. Savage I agree do that. with you. And Savage is going over and he's telling him to get up and he's telling him to get off the pitch. Yeah. Right? Well, he's sort of carrying it, trying to carry yeah. him. Obviously, Savage goes and manhandles him like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like a psychopath, frankly. Right? <laughs> um, and that is, I think, what inflames Completely. the whole situation further. Completely. Um, there is a school of thought that says, well, they know that they're going to add a billion minutes of extra time, so it's okay because you get the psychological edge. You get in, you get mm, the phones in. I don't buy that at me all. Me neither. I don't buy that at all. Me neither. You had the pressure. This gave everybody at the back for City a breather. This allowed them to regroup. Yeah. Um, and to get even more resilient, more together. On like, you know, they, they would have seen the Savage trying to help Sterling, Savage pulling, pulling the hair of, of Grealish, who, you know, did call him a see you next Tuesday just before. But I mean, and, and I think if you're City, once the, the play resumed, you go like, okay, now show them how resilient, show them how resilient we are, how how tough we can be as well. Which I think Atleti thought, okay, now we're in their minds, we're gonna we're gonna go and walk over them, but they didn't. I don't know if they ever thought they were going to walk into them. I think they always viewed themselves as underdogs or, or long shots. No, no, but like for the last 10 minutes, because they, they thought they had that age even at 10 minutes against 11. Is it fair to say that right now in world football, because, you know, marketing people and coaches, when things aren't doing well, they always talk about, oh, we need to have a strong identity. We need to regain our identity. Yeah. What is our brand identity? The identity is easier yeah, to yeah. sell. You know, like marketing people love this because love. it's fuzzy and nonsense. And <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what most of these people are, right? Yeah. I mean, how often do you hear about United? United DNA, United Identity, yeah. this team has no identity, that's why they lose. Yeah, maybe they lose because they play badly, maybe it's because they manage and make mistakes, maybe they lose because, um, you know, the other team were better. But no, it's because of identity, right? We agree there's no team in the world, I think, that has a stronger identity. Certainly no Champions League team that has a stronger identity than Atletico Madrid. With all, yeah, with yeah. all the components at home. I noticed Pep also dressed all in black. Do you think that was some psychological stuff? He didn't wear that. You know that stupid... No, no, but did you see after the, the big Felipe Savic incident, then he was continuing to have words with Savic. From, you could see him on the, on the touchline right. shouting towards Savic. I don't know what they were saying, but it didn't, didn't look nice. And, and, but, but I think Pep, I think, stood up to the occasion in a way. I really oh, do. But, but like, he almost is like, you know, his, his slim shady side in him. I was like, you know, I'm not <laughs> having this, El Cholo. I'm going to go at you as well, like you do with other managers. And do you, you think do that's why people. he dressed the way he did? Maybe he did. Because, you know, normally we used to see him and was... I, I'm sorry. He often wear... I, I don't want to make fun of dark, Manchester City's... Whoever makes Manchester City's apparel. But that hoodie that he wears, the one that says MDCR on the back. So the Manchester, yeah. It's what the, the Manchester. What, what is it? What, what is what it? Like, it's one of the new, yeah, it's the what is it? What does that mean, line. MDCR? What does it stand for? So Ma Manchester instead of Manchester. Manchester, like from, from, from like the music in the uh, in Yeah, the, the scene, I think. Yeah, the vibrant scene, stuff like that. And this is some an official Manchester City, mm. and he likes that. To represent the city, I think. But you don't. You there represent was a the club, not the city. There's another know, club know, in the city. I know, but there's a few people on the train back on Sunday after the game against Liverpool that was wearing the same jumpers and stuff. I preferred his outfit. Uh, I, I preferred, I much preferred what he wore when he tried to out Cholo El Cholo, dressing up all in black and being like, <laughs> no, I thought that had metaphoric value. Um, from from Simeone though, like we disagree you don't, on this. You we disagree on his game plan. Do you agree that they executed their game plan well? I mean, they lost Gab. 
they lost. Stop, stop with this. It was the right approach, and they did it well. They didn't do it well. They lost. They knocked out. They lost to a better team with better players and matter. a better manager. It didn't work. So what? Yeah, okay. Try okay, something. So then every time it didn't you work. lose, every but time no, you lose, it didn't work because you have the wrong plan. No, okay, no, no, I got it. I got but it. But you can't tell me this was the right plan when you know Tuchel had the right plan and he almost worked out. And in that case, I said yes. Okay, he got it right. And but don't tell me El Cholo got it right. We're going to get to Tuchel in a minute. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough, City. Let's talk about the other game in Madrid. Wow. Um, I thought this was extraordinary because yeah. Chelsea traveled to Real Madrid. They, they were beaten 3-1 at home. They could have conceded a lot more than that. Thomas Tuchel, like, basically threw his whole team under the bus, threw the whole night under mm-hmm. the bus. Um, and they really were that bad. And we praise Real Madrid because, oh, look, they're unflappable. You know, they've got the experience. It counts, the quality. And then Chelsea go out. And then all of a sudden, they're 3-0 up. They wipe the floor with them. It's not even being 3-0 up because you can be 3-0 up over, like, three counter-attacks. They're not getting close to them. They they, they just, like, dominate so much. Like, you've rarely seen a team at the Bernabeu, apart from Barcelona in the Clasico, not so long ago. but, But still... It's like, wow, okay, there's just pretty much nothing is working for Real Madrid. They can't, they can't get the ball out the way they want. They can't hit Benzema. Modric is not in a good day. And he's just it's so well defended by Rich James. And suddenly the plan that Klopp put, put in place and put together, even if Loftus-Cheek was still wondering at times, okay, where am I supposed to stand? Where am I playing? Where, what's my position? Am I like a central midfielder? Am I a right wing? I'm a right wing back? Am I a right winger? Am I the right back? Even that worked. And Kovacic and Conte in midfield, you had obviously the mound goal. Even Timo Werner, maybe one of the best performances he's had for, with the Chelsea shirt. Here, and you think like, wow, I count okay. them in one hand, but that but yeah, certainly but worked on the night. And were you surprised that Tuchel, because we love to stereotype people and Tuchel's, you know, for so long, obviously he's moved to the back four in certain situations, but this is a situation where he moved to a back four by choice. You know, because he wanted to give them a different look. He put Loftus-Cheek in there. Mm. Um... Were you surprised that all of a sudden he says, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I'm going to change everything around. And you won't be expecting mm. this. No, I don't. I know. I was expecting him to do something like that. You know, I, I expected very much, and I said it before the game, some sort of hybrid things, even if they, they didn't really do hybrid before under Tuchel. But this was very much, you know, depending on possession, if they had the ball or not the ball, a back three or back four. And again, Loftus-Cheek position varies a lot. But I thought this was the only way they could come back in the game. It's almost messed with, with the, the Real Madrid's heads and their plans and their preparation on how you defend on Havertz, how you defend on Werner, how you defend on Mount. You know, having Mount almost as a 10 in a free roll and Werner and Havertz, the, 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 the two strikers, the two centre forwards, having Loftus-Cheek in that position, having Alonso really, really high up the pitch. I thought all of that was great from so, Tuchel. It, 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 you know, it really, really, really worked a plan and... And he had a great plan in place. I was told by somebody close to the Real Madrid camp that the turning point for them was actually the Benzema chance where he hit the woodwork. Mm. That at that point, I think they were still 2-0 down at that point. Yeah. At that point, it felt 
like they were going to motor on. It felt like they could get back into it. It felt like, okay, Tuchel's going to have to change something, otherwise we're going to keep creating chances similar to this one. But is that after the, the... I thought the Marcos Alonso was the big turning point. I think if the goal is... I think everybody... Yeah, stands, I think you have to put the two together. It's over. All right. Can we... Everybody seems to have an opinion on this. Um, to me, based on the laws of the game, the way they're, the way they're written, yep. the referee has no, has no choice but to disallow that goal. Because it's goes straight after, right? Because it comes immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah. We're because, in agreement, right? We yeah, can, yeah, we are, we are. I thought first, and I have to say, I didn't really remember the rule. I thought that if it deflected off your thigh, for example, yeah. like it is in that case, and then hit your arm or your hand, that the referee would yeah. not give that one. So the, the off the fly, uh, off the thigh, off another part of the body, that was a metric that was used to judge when a handball was intentional yeah. or not, okay. right? The idea that you don't have that kind of control. Mm. But anything that touches your body in that situation and then leads directly to a goal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the right call. As yeah. harsh as it was for Chelsea and the momentum of the game at that time. But for me, that's, yeah, that's the, the turning point. And then, of course, the Benzema header gives them belief that something special can happen. And then I think Carlos' substitutions with Camavinga, who had a really good cameo again, and Rodrigo, made a difference. Yeah, we're going to get more onto the substitutions, but I think there's two other things we're going to touch upon. One is obviously the whole legend of the great Bernabeu comeback. And in the end, it's weird. We talk of a, of a comeback, right? This was a game they actually lost. Yeah. But because of... But, but because also the away goals rule, this really does feel like, you know, we're playing four quarters of football here, mm. um, which, I thought was, which I thought was interesting. And then obviously Luka Modric. Um, you're, the, you're, the, you're the techers guy. It was a great finish from Rodrigo. No, 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 no. He hits his calf. It's not a good finish. No, no, it was a great finish. It wasn't a clean finish. It was a great finish, I think, for him to make the run and put his body in a way to make contact. Yeah, okay. That, in in that you, sense. That I give you, yeah. Because the I, rest it wouldn't is, occur to a normal player to make that run. Well, that's why you should, that's the run you should make in that position. Well, but you, you don't expect to get the ball. No, but you still make the run. Okay, praise Modric, outside of the foot, go on. It's just crazy. It's not so much, we've seen him doing outside of the foot before, scoring at yeah. the Euros with Croatia in Scotland, at training, yeah. Real Madrid have a hundreds video. But it's the, the trajectory of the ball and the millimeter that he lands literally on Rodrigo leg or calf or foot, whatever you want to call it, between two defenders, it's that just, was, it's just, that was a bit it's just, it's just super special. I'm going to take it back one second to Thomas Tuchel, something that happened after the game, and this received a lot of attention, maybe unfairly so, I can get it, like Thomas Tuchel's season is pretty much over, mm. right, except for the FA Cup, yeah. but and I know the FA Cup's a big deal. But it's not a big deal when you won the Champions League last year. Yeah. Right? So I can understand the emotional side of it. He got very annoyed that the referee was laughing and joking with Carlo Ancelotti after mm. the game. Yeah. I guess he argued it was unseemly and whatever. What's your take? I, I prefer that kind of frustration than the frustration we saw at the Wanda where it all kicks off in the tunnel and your players... You know, I, th I thought Chelsea lost... But won but lost in a very gracious way in a way because they could have been really frustrated because they were the better team I think over the two legs they deserved to go through and I think I think you could have easily they could have boiled that with frustration and everything and they could have lost it so I said, you thought Chelsea were the better yeah. team over the two legs uh, over, so if you take the whole so, so I, I I thought the first 45 minutes were Real Madrid 100% and that's the best 45 minutes we've seen from Real this season the second half at Stamford Bridge, I thought Chelsea were the better team and if Lukaku scored a header and they created far more chances. And then in the, at the Bernabeu, it was, all, it was all Chelsea from start to finish, pretty much. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree so much on the second half but, uh, in the first leg. Um, after, the, after the Benzema third goal, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing. They could have been six. They could have been. They could have conceded six goals at that point. Okay, but it's only three, and then, and then that the rest of the second half. So the next thirty-five minutes. You had two Lukaku headers. 
But well, no, at the end, there's also the Rudiger header, there's the Havertz header. There's, 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 even in first leg, there's a few things. I think when Tuchel said we deserve to go through, I, I understand what he means. Right. I really do. I mean, as much as I love Karim Benzema and Carlo Ancelotti, and I think this Real Madrid have something very special in this competition. For the rest, so I can understand, I, you know, I would have gone mad if I had been on the pitch and I'd been a Chelsea player. And I thought they, they, they got knocked out in a very gracious way. But I was expecting the Tuchel dig at the ref because, because you saw how mad he was on the touchline in that second half, especially after the Alonso goal. I think he wanted the, the ref to go and see the screen for the Alonso goal, but that would not, he didn't need to. It was so clear that VR ref said, yeah, yeah, it's a handball, just, just rule out the goal. There's no need for you to go and see anything. Yeah, I, I think, again, people don't seem to be familiar with the laws of the game. So there's no, there's no question that there's no temporal um, lapse between the ball hitting Alonso and him shooting on yeah. goal, right? Once you establish that, the only thing you need to establish is does the ball hit his hand in any way, shape, or form exactly. whatsoever. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's what the, if you don't like these laws of the game, it's fine. Go ahead and have a debate there. But, but there's, yeah, there's no ground there for Tuchel to moan or to complain. No, because no, that there's, one is... There's, there's unless no Tuchel thinks there. the ball didn't hit yeah, but, Alonso. And to be fair, from the touchline, he's not going to know if the ball hits him, hits him or not, right? But, the but thing by about, the end of the game, I'm assuming some servant would have said, yeah, Tommy, it hit his hand. Yeah. And that's it. But the thing about the referee, just to finish on, that, on your question and the point, Tuchel can have can have a laugh with the referee as well. I don't know, maybe Carlo and... And Tuchel's German. And, yeah, true. And well, the, Klopp, Polish, he's not Klopp, yeah. the Polish, uh, the Polish referee, I don't know, maybe... Marciniak. Marciniak, maybe he's refereed Carlo a thousand times before. You know, I don't know, maybe... So, so why? It's not because they, they know each other and they have a laugh that the guy is going to advantage Real Madrid and Carlo Ancelotti. And you can do similar things and maybe in 10 years' time, when he's, he's going to be not as old as Carlo, but not far... He will have the same relationship with someone and the opposition manager is going to say, oh, I didn't like Tuchel having a laugh and a chat with the, with, you know, with the referee. I think you don't, it's not necessarily like, I, I think this whole thing about demeanor and, and whatever, I mean, I, you get both things, right? You often see referees trying to be smiley before games and, you know, and shaking hands and nod, nodding at players because they want to just referee their game. Yeah. So, I, I don't know, I'd have more... If you wanted to bring up specific things that referees got wrong in the game and you think hurt your team, that's one thing. I don't know that it applied in this. Like you could bring up the fact that some people thought that the Rudiger goal came, you know, from um, he shoved a little bit Modridge. No, no, that the, oh, no, the, the corner was the no corner. corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a corner, not a corner. So yeah. you know, so there are other things. I was curious about one thing because just tying it back to the Man City game. Tactical fouling is a part of teams that press high up the pitch. Yeah. Right? It's not people have talked about oh Pep Guardiola for you know any team that does that you know. Um, there was one situation where on the Benzema goal, Ruben Loftus Cheek. I was really struck by this because he has a chance to foul mm. and stop the play, and and he doesn't. I don't think he was booked at the time. Um, whereas we've seen other players, you know, sacrifice bookings. Yeah, we saw Valverde on Kovacic in the first half. Exactly. Uh, I'm wondering if that is not Loftus-Cheek being naive, because he's not a kid anymore. No, yeah. But I think it's maybe him not being in the rhythm of certain games because he's played very little. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe, and I think this is something you learn as well. This is something that you get aware of more and more through your career, depending on your manager, depending on your style of football, depending on a lot of things that I don't, maybe some are born with it and they, they're so cynical that they know exactly what to do, but others, I think, have to learn it. And, and, and you know that this Chelsea squad and this Chelsea team, having gone through what they've gone through at the Bernabeu, not many people, again, we go back to that point, but not many people go to the Bernabeu and are 3-0 up. This, this is not, you know, we, okay, there was the Classico and it happens sometimes, but it's really rare. And I think they will all learn from Tuchel to Mendy, to Havertz, to even the most experienced of those players, Thiago Silva, we learned so much from that, from that win slash defeat. From Real Madrid's perspective, we've praised the fact that, oh, well, experience. I, said, I did this last week on the show, right? Yeah. I said, I don't like bringing up experience and mental strength because it's not something I can quantify, but I have to attribute it to that. But then I get this game where with all their experience, all their mental strength and their personality and all this stuff, mm. they're 3-0 down at home. Yeah. So then I ask, was I wrong last week? Does this experience no. mental strength, is this actually all nonsense? No, because after? they scored the, 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 the Rodrigo goal that take them to extra time. And but that then, was after the substitutions. I know, but still, 
But still, I think the first goal they got done where it's an amazing move by Chelsea to, to wait for the ball and pass it around and then hit the verticality and the positioning of Loftus-Cheek and then Werner to mount. The second goal is a set piece. And then the third goal, I still don't know what Casemiro is, is with surfing on the page. He's like sliding but to wait, go on holidays. But that's my point, right? Because that's Casemiro, the experienced guy, the winner, but the mental strength. you can still make strength. a mistake. Yeah, because he happens to make a mistake thinking that Werner is going to hit it first time and he doesn't. Let's talk about Carlos' changes. Um, because, again. again, I thought he absolutely nailed them. I thought Camavinga had a massive impact on the game. Yeah. Um, the one at the end where I think Nacho wasn't fit for most of the second half. And and in the end, you know, seeing Carvajal at center half, he did make the point afterwards when he was talking and he said, you know, playing against this team, at that point, we become a very, very small team. In fact, Cross uh, was out. I think in terms of... He was not happy, by the way, to come off. Not happy we, to come we off. We read on no. his lips. We read on your lips, Tony. <laughs> we <laughs> we did. We said... But I'm just thinking, like, in terms of set pieces, on, on the one hand, and again, I may not nail down everybody was on the pitch, but if you're defending a set piece, you're defending a set piece, essentially, with Benzema, Kamavinga, and then I think your next best header of the ball at that stage is David Alaba, yeah. who's, what, one meter yeah. eighty. You could also have Courtois coming up, but we know this is not yeah, no, his no. forte. On the other hand, you know, you've got Havertz, you've got Alonso, who's a phenomenal header mm. of the ball, You've Thiago got Silva. both centre-backs. Yeah, yeah. You've got Loftus-Cheek on the pitch. He's a big boy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, those ch- and the Chelsea chances at the end come from set pieces. The Havertz header on the second phase and then, of course, the Jorginho one. I mean, I don't want to pick on Jorginho. We both like him. <laughs> know you know him well. This is a season to, to, to forget. Between the two penalties yeah. that he missed for Italy and that big chance. It is a big chance. Even on his, left, on his left foot, I do not care. This is a huge chance. And to not even hit on target. Yes, uh, I mean, yeah, don't get me started. All right, let's throw this forward. Because at this point, we have most people, and I think we agree on this, have Liverpool and City as the two best teams in the world. Those are the two clear favourites. Mm. You know, Augie the other day, well, it's going to be a Liverpool-City final. And yeah, if you believe in chalk, that's what happened. I've made the point, don't sleep on Real Madrid because of, because sometimes in knockout games, yeah. experience matters. And you've and said it. You've said you need it in outstanding group individuals. You said in the group stages they could yeah. go far, and you were right. Outstanding, you know, one of the very best goalkeepers in the tournament, if not yeah. the best, you can d- debate. Luka Modric, who can pop up and yeah. do the ridiculous in midfield. David Alaba, who I think has been, at least in the Champions League, has generally played really, really yeah, well. Yeah. And up front... Kareem the Dream! There you go. There we go. The only reason I had this segment was so you could go through that. Um, obviously, obviously they're, still, they're still in the mix. Um, and... I just wonder, though, and I, I'm so looking forward to the semifinal because I really want to see what yeah. do you pull out of the hat. But this Real Madrid team is more suited for Pep Guardiola and City, right? Than Atletico, for example. Oh, he, Pep hates those kind of teams. But, but, but with Real, even if they play on the counter, even if they play with a, lo- with a lower block or a median block, this, this, should, this, this, this game should suit City. Yeah. And I, I'll say this too: If Real Madrid get to the final, talk about earning your place. I mean, Paris yeah. Saint-Germain, yeah. Chelsea, Man City. Yeah, if they yeah, get to the final, good. of course. Um, How many players do you think Chelsea need to compete with City and Liverpool next season? What would you change? There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to change, right, in that squad, or there's there's not so much to change. So I think if Ben Chilwell comes back, I think you're fine in the wide areas. Presumably, you're going to play back three. It depends on who extends, who doesn't extends. I'd like to see more of Chalaba um, next season. Do you think he's good enough? I think to be part of that rotation, but I think you need, at a minimum, I think Rudiger's probably going to... If Rudiger doesn't stay, you need two centre-backs. I don't think there's there's any any question there. Um, And I think one of them needs to be an outstanding centre-back. The other one can be a guy who's not going to embarrass you. Midfield, I think, is the big one. None of those guys are getting any, any younger. Um, I don't know, and I think that's where you have to make a big call. I don't know how productive Conte is going to continue to be going forward. It's difficult. His injuries, he's getting older. 
You saw in that game, he George was very, he yeah. was excellent for 70 minutes, and then he loses the ball. Even if it's, an, it's a great interception by Alaba, um, the, the way he twists his body for the header, and then there's obviously the Luka Modric moment of magic. But I don't think N'Golo has, has to play forward at that time of the game when they're 3-0 up. I think he can easily put his foot on the ball, keep it playing, playing sideways, and Chelsea have another phase of possession. But for him to play for, it's not a bad ball. It's just no. Alaba does great to intercept it. But he, he clearly dipped in the last 20 minutes of the game. It's Ramadan as well. Plus, as you said, he's 31 years old and had a lot of injuries. I think you need to think in terms of, of a central midfielder, whether it... I know there's going to be a lot of people saying, oh, get Declan Rice, get Declan Rice. I don't know. Maybe it is Declan, maybe somebody else. But you need definitely a midfielder. Up front, I think you're committed to Lukaku. If I was the club, I would go to him and say, like, make, make Lukaku work. So you so, said to Tuchel, okay, yeah. change what you haven't changed this season for Lukaku. Make it work. Okay. Make it work. Because you know what? You're not going to be somebody else coming in the door. We're not going to move this guy. We're not going to shift this guy. You knew he was coming. You had a plan for him. You know, he's had injuries. He wasn't on the bench, of course, because he apparently had, like, he's had some injuries. It was he didn't travel. Make it work. And then Lukaku, Havertz, Mount. I don't think you need much else. In fact, I'd move some people out because I think you have too many bodies there. You, right? need, you need a great one-on-one -on -one winger or creator. You need someone that can You have Pulisic and Ziyech who are one-on-one winger creators. Ziyech and you have Timo Werner as a one-on-one -on -one guy. doesn't dribble past people. Police could, he doesn't do it enough. You need someone like Kuzman Dembele, who on one-on-one -on -one is going to make a difference and then create something out of those those jewels with the ball. Ziyech is great with the delivery once. But you, know what, you need you, someone I'm, like that that okay. you don't already have in your squad. To be honest, all these wingers, dump them all and get Michael Olise. There you go. I'm good with that. I love that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Quick Hits is sponsored by Football Manager 22. On sale now. All right, enough of that. How about some more Quick Hits? Let's go, Gab. A late, late, late goal from Samuel Chukweze allows Villarreal to equalize and knocks Bayern out of the Champions League on aggregate. Jules, the knives are out uh, for my man, Julian. Your namesake, are you going I to? Know. Yeah, I it's am. two Jules? Yes, I am. For a few things. First, I didn't like at all his comments before the game in his press conference saying we're going to punish them. They kept us alive, blah, blah, blah. All that nonsense, all that BS. Like, I didn't really like, to be fair, the way Bayern conducted themselves after that draw, you know, taking the win for granted. I thought that Arthur Nagelsmann despised Villarreal. I thought he completely underestimated them and Unai Emery. And in a way, I'm glad and I, and that he got taught a lesson the way he did and that he will learn from it, I hope. And tactically as well, he got outsmarted. I'm sorry. It's not because you put five forwards on that you think it's going to easy, we're going to create chances and score goals. Well, no. And if you, on top of that, neglect your defensive transitions, yeah, then you got goal, done back on the goal. Good. Where was Kimmich? Yeah. I mean, where, where were the, mid, the defensive midfielders? Why is, what was that about bringing on Alfonso Davies for the last five minutes? Why? And take it, Lucas Hernandez out. He this got killed for the, Davies, for the Davies thing, I figure. In the back three? Yeah, if you want to send the message, ah. Davies, he's got the recovery speed. I was struck by something else. I thought Lewandowski could have been sent off in the first. Yeah, he was very, of that very game. angry. Yeah, and I'd love to know mentally, because you know Lewandowski obviously he has an edge, but he's generally very professional right. and unflappable. Mm -hmm. I thought in that match, I don't know something happened pregame. They were a little too hyped up going out there. Or maybe the whole thing about his future. 
playing and on maybe the it's that I don't know mm. Villarreal could not resist a bit of a post-match trolling guy by tweeting out the message welcome to UEFA Farmers League Gav your thought I thought okay. that was funny so first of all let's be very clear on this if you use the term Farmers League for any league <laughs> You are a complete putz, okay? Uh, Farmers League, not a thing. It's not a word. It's not anything. It's just something that, that some idiot started using. And I'm glad Villarreal turned it against them. Yeah. Anybody who calls, if, if Farmers League is supposed to mean like inferior league, anybody who uses that on La Liga doesn't understand anything about football. And, you know, maybe should be devoting themselves to golf or some worthwhile pursuit like that, okay? <laughs> so let's just be very, very clear about this. Unai Emery. I have a couple things to say on this one, too. The reason... Okay, there's people who make fun of Unai Emery because of the goodie bidding and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm basically making fun of somebody because of his accent or his voice. Eh, it's not cool. No. The reason other people make fun of Unai Emery is because when he talks, even when he talks in Spanish, True. he's very difficult to follow. He doesn't really make any sense. He yeah. goes around in circles. This he is the finish his sentences. Yeah, yeah. He, he leaves things hanging in the air, yeah, right? Yeah. But the man is brilliant. He is. I... I uh, in, in in this context, maybe he's not the right guy for a big club, whether it's Paris Saint-Germain or Arsenal. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, how could you ignore the fact? This is like the North London Rehab Academy, right? <laughs> Francis Coquelin, no yeah. fewer than four former Spurs, Aurier, Etienne Capoue, Juan Foyt, and Gio Lo Celso, who yeah. starts playing for Emery, all of a sudden is a completely different player. I mean, this is special. Yeah, and by the way, shout out to my man. Moreno as well. Yeah, and Arno Donjuma as well, who not so long ago was playing in the championship, you know. Fantastic. Liverpool were 3-1 up from the first leg and ended up drawing 3-3 with Benfica. Jules, was Jurgen Klopp playing with fire a little bit no. when he rested Mane, Van Dijk, Salah, Fabinho, Thiago, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold? Well, no, they were 3-1 up. So clearly the, 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 the starting 11, the, the choices of the team, that worked. They were 3-1 up. They were cruising. What was funny, I thought, is yeah, that once... You're 3-1 up, you, you substitute everybody at halftime because you're 3-1 up? But no, but once he put Salah and Mane on and Thiago on, that's when they started conceding and not playing as well as they did previous to that when it was the B team. And I just think they took the eye of the ball. They were 6-2 on aggregate uh, when they were 3-1 you know, up, when Firmino scored his second goal. Yeah, it's, okay, maybe he would have liked to concede less goals. I don't think he would care. Like you he what? said, Look. if I'm not happy when I qualify for the Champions League semi-final, punch me or knock me out, he said, or something like that. He's right, come on. He's right, we love Klopp, but if we're going to have a go at Julian Nagelsmann for being coming across as a little too arrogant beforehand and giving the opposition bulletin board material, if I'm Benfica, and I see all these guys on the bench. No, you like don't. we're the little sisters of the poor coming to visit Anthony. You don't. By the way, this by the normal. way. They play City again on Saturday. They, they play them on Sunday. I feel, a I, I just wonder if that gave Benfica that little bit extra motivation. And by the way, um, reminder, Liverpool lost their last Champions League home True, game. True, against Inter, yeah. So, I don't know. Look, it worked out. Know. Club's fine. Yeah. And by the way, Darwin Nunes' price has gone up 20 million again uh, after the performance he had uh, against Liverpool. Benfica with 3-1 down, as we just explained, Gab, and then scored twice to make it 3-3. In both cases, the linesman flight for offside, and in both cases, VAR overruled him. And, for, and rightly so as well. Gab, do we need more evidence that VR is a good thing, at least for offsides? No, we don't. And look, if we want to have the whole macro conversation with VAR, I think it's old and tired. I think people are used to it now. Yeah. People make philosophical objections and so on. When it comes to offside, and I don't want to hear this nonsense about the frame, the ball leaving, blah, 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 the foot, all this, all this idiocy. Like, this is a very obvious situation where under normal circumstances, I mean, look, in the end, it didn't matter because the ball went through. But these goals would have been flagged off. Yeah. So we should, we should be grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. All right. Now everybody's reporting that Eric Ten Hag to Manchester United is a done deal. Jules, we've talked about this. Do yeah. we need to discuss this now or do we take it up when it actually becomes official? Because I'm going to be it's so bored about I know. this slow burn. True. But the only thing I would say is next season starts now. For every club, whether you're a big club, a small club, whether you'll be in Europe next season or not in Europe next season, your next season starts now. And if you don't know who your manager is, it's not a good start. No. At least now they do know they can put things in place to get the players that he wants, to get rid of the players that he doesn't want. 
And that's very, very positive. If it's done, I think at some point they need to make an announcement. And yeah. Like, and just work it out with, because, you know, IX aren't stupid, right? They have internet connections in Amsterdam. I know this for a fact. They said, oh, look, they're saying this is true. Well, you know, you said we, we didn't should. want to announce it until after to not mess with the Eredivisie race. Okay, right. it's out there now. Yeah, you need exactly. to address it. Sticking with United, Gab, the Manchester Evening News reports that Cristiano Ronaldo vetoed Antonio Conte's uh, arrival at the club and that his agent, Jorge Mendes, also asked the club for reassurance that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would be sacked after that defeat, remember, against Watford in November, which he ended up being sacked as well. Gav, what does this mean? What, that the Cristiano Jorge Mendes pulling I think the this strings? Means, no, no, I think this means a lot, and I think this means a lot in terms of narrative. Look, Cristiano Ronaldo does not have, he's not Russia in the United Nations Security Council. He does not have veto power, right? He may have expressed an opinion, he may not. Equally, George Mendes asking for reassurances. It's plausible that George Mendes rings up the club and says, hey, what's up, what's up with Solskjaer? Y'all going to get rid of him now? You want, you want to talk to my man Lopetegui here? Who knows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing his job. Yeah. If Ronaldo's asked his opinion of Conte, Ronaldo's also giving his opinion. I don't see an issue with that. But what's interesting is the Manchester Evening News, which is the local newspaper in Manchester having this story, putting the story out there, to me that says 100%, the story comes from the club. Yeah. So, so I wonder uh, if this isn't people preparing for maybe uh, Ronald exit. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I don't I know. That's interesting. Granit Xhaka speaking in the Players' Tribune revealed that his relationship with the fans will never be the same after he was booed last year. Wonderful quote. Poetic. Yeah. It's like broken glass. <laughs> you can piece it together, but the cracks will always be there. Yeah. I mean, I love what the Players' Tribune do. You, you do as well. It's good to see the players... You know, writing those articles in the in the in the first uh, first person. First person. First yeah. person. You say. Um, uh, the that, only thing is, Grand Chaka has has also his part of responsibility of, of why things went toxic yeah. between him and the fans. Um, but yeah, go and read it and make your own mind about it. More bad news for Juventus, Napoli, and other Italian clubs. Gab, the uh, sporting trial over inflated transfer values is underway. We mentioned it many times on the shows before. And the prosecution wants a one-year ban for club president Andrea Agnelli and 16 months for former sporting director Fabio Paratici, who is now a Spurs, Aurelio De Laurentiis also, mm. I think, for a 12-month ban or something like that. What's going to happen? Okay, so... Without making this too complicated, of course, we talked this about, about this before. Because of amortization, you can do this trick where you, where you swap one player for another player. You can almost put whatever value you want on him, yeah. and then suddenly you've generated instant income on your balance sheet, although it's just paper money, no money changes hands. And that in turn means that you don't have to either load debt onto the club or, um, or do a capital injection, do a capital raise, yeah. right? Um, Juventus are being investigated on this along with other clubs, including Napoli, as you said. Uh, there's two parallel investigations. There is some overlap. So this is purely from a sporting justice uh, perspective. There's a criminal trial as well, which then goes into false accounting and whatnot, which concerns Juve um, and other clubs too. Um, there are two, two separate strands. There is some overlap, not complete overlap. As far as the bans are concerned, Completely irrelevant. I know, even if they're found guilty, yeah. how do you it's ban? Not it's not like Andreanelli plays. What are you banning him from? Yes, are you stay at for, home. <laughs> no, I think, <laughs> I think into the no, no, it's stupid stuff. Like he's not allowed to go in the dressing room. Like I, I we, it's completely stupid. Yeah. We've seen these bans before. They don't really work. Um, Juventus are going to argue that I'm sorry. There's no objective measure of how much we should be paying for a player, right? You can't yeah. tell us. And one of the reasons I think they're going to get away with it in this trial is from what I can tell from what's been reported, the prosecution's arguments are pretty stupid. They have like five benchmarks to determine the correct value of a player. And it's based on age. Yeah, it's based, markets. Yeah, no, they haven't got a transfer <laughs> mark yet, but it's, it's based on age. It's based on appearances and so on. That's not how you do it. There could be a guy who's a phenomenal talent, but maybe he needs to lose weight to get yeah. really good, or somebody else who maybe has been injured, or you know, these are all fair. I think Juventus are going to make okay, this argument. Yeah. I think a strong case. The false accounting trial, which is more serious, that's a criminal trial. Obviously, that's all TBD. Yeah. Jesse Marsh has revealed that, in his opinion, Marcelo Bielsa overtrained the Leeds players, and that may be why they picked up so many injuries. Are you buying this, Jules? So, we said before how much we like Jesse March and the job he's doing that, that he's been doing so far at Leeds. 
I'm not too keen on this. And I've said it before, I don't like a manager coming in and saying, oh yeah, the players were not fit when I arrived, that they were not this and they were not that, and blaming the former manager for that. I don't think... It's not a good look. It's not a good look. I don't think Jesse had to go and after Bielsa, even if he thought so, even if he has proofs of it, I don't know. I, I don't care, to be fair. Don't I, go after and criticise the guy who was there before so, you. Look, he did a great job to get you into that position in the first place. I'm slightly torn here because he's doing this while Leeds are doing well, right? So he's not using it as an excuse. I think in his mind, he says, oh, let me answer this question honestly. Yeah, but then and then it twice. gets twisted around as an attack on Bielsa. This is not a good look. No. Look, I'm sorry, man. The man went to Princeton. He didn't learn anything, <laughs> right? So, you know, that, yeah, that's I guess, it. I guess. The Chelsea sale moves forwards in baby steps as the four remaining bidders submit more details of their offers. And Boston Celtics owner, Steven Pagliuca, has now has kept a low profile so far, but he unveiled a high-profile set of names in his consortium, Gab, and also, what about his shares in Atalanta? So the two separate things, obviously, um, every indication is that he's, they're committed to Atalanta as well. They own, I think, 55% yeah. of the club. Um, it becomes an issue if oh, yeah, they you face each other in European yeah. competition. I think they cross that bridge. He doesn't even know if he's going to get Chelsea at this stage, right? Yeah. And it's going to be for lawyers. It also means we also don't know if he's going to dilute it. Did he simply put this consortium together and he's going to have a minority stake? There's a lot of stuff that we still don't know. That can happen, know. yeah, of course. But I'm just... Oh, and by the way, another fun Stephen Pagliuca facts. I, did, I didn't know this. But both his sons went to Duke, like he did, and that's fine. It makes sense. Yeah, some of both, our friends went to Duke. Both of his kids, yeah, Yanag, if your son went to Duke yeah, as well. Yeah. Both of his kids played basketball at Duke too, which really surprised me. That's not an right. easy because it's not because Duke's like the best college. Oh, bat, sorry, yeah, some of the very best college. Yeah, they made the first team at Duke. Oh, it's yeah, not yeah. somebody you normally associate with, like you know. True. It's a bit True. of a, it's a bit special to do that. It is pretty special. Uh, anyway. So can I just tell you who's in this consortium? Go on, this, go is, on, yeah. this, is, this guy's got a serious Rolodex, right? So you have Willow Bay, who may not be known the world over, but it's a big deal in the States. She's a former television announcer. She's now yeah. the dean, I think, of some journalism school somewhere. Um, you have Eduardo Saverin, who, do you know who he is? No, I don't. I, that was the only name I was not sure. So the, he was the, 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 the Facebook founder. Um, God, I'm blanking on his name now. Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. This was his business partner. Okay. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So right. he's worth billions and billions. They fell out. Saffron did some weird thing where then he moved to Singapore or something, tried to give up his U.S. citizenship, maybe gave it up. I don't know. But he's still a dude who's sitting there bored on a <laughs> big pile of money. Um, one of the co-owners of the L.A. Dodgers, whose name is, and I'm not making this up, Peter Goober, he must have had a really fun time. So he goes against Top Beauty, of course. But he goes against Top yeah, Bowling, yeah. Like, <laughs> How awesome Are we that? friends? Are we not friends? Are we it's beating Dodgers against each other? Yeah. And... And Bob Iger, own. the former big boss uh, of the Walt Disney Bob. Corporation, Walt Disney <laughs> Company, sorry, who owns uh, this network. I, I think it's, I think it's, it's sort of star really? power. I'm sorry, Ian. Uh, Lord Co., uh, yeah. David Blee, yeah, you Move guys. Away. Yeah, Move yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, Move yeah. Step aside. Step aside. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Louis van Gaal has revealed that treatment for his prostate cancer was successful and it was a lot tougher than what many had thought. So I can't imagine how he managed to keep all of this hidden from almost Incredible. everyone. Incredible. I mean, huge love and, and strength and credit to Van Gaal, who said I think he had 25 uh, chemotherapy uh, sessions. You can just imagine the toll that must have been on him. And yet, kept his job, didn't want to say anything. Now, um, he said that it's clear, well, for now at least, which we're all very happy. Uh, and really wish him the best because that must have been a, a pretty, yeah, I, pretty old. I'll tell you what, Louis, um, and I say this at the bottom of my heart, some people like you, some people don't yeah, like you, but I you agree. are one tough I SOB. Know. I was mean with you before when you deserved it. No, <laughs> I did. No. But no, that's just, this is incredible. Inter's game in hand gap against Bologna has been rescheduled for April 27th. Why did it take so long? Well, what's my answer to everything bad that happens in the history of the world? Uh, lawyers! Tape and lawyers. Lawyers! Um, so this game was 
was I think it was back in January. Yeah. Um, Bologna had an, a COVID outbreak, um, and so the game was postponed. Now. Inter, Inter had actually traveled to Bologna, did that thing where they walk onto the pitch. So they say, oh, look, yeah, you're not here. Hey. Forfeit the game. Inter should have just left and say, let's just replay it. But no, lawyers, oh, look, Inter, look, why don't you file a billion appeals? Because maybe you'll get some idiot court to go and say, oh, yeah, no, you deserve, um, you know, you deserve the automatic three points without playing the game. I don't think this is a good look. I don't think yeah. Inter should have listened to these lawyers. Um... Look, at the time, they're going to say, well, but we had the Coppa Italia. We're still the Champions League at the time. That's why we did these endless appeals. No, this is stupid. Play the game. Play the game. Yeah. Decide things on the pitch. I'm happy that they have to play this. If they win it, it's absolutely huge for them because yeah. they go top of City. Yeah. Norn Iron manager Kenny Shields has apologized for suggesting that women are more emotional. When uh, this is after he was asked why his team conceded goals in oh, rapid Kenny, succession Kenny. during a five-nil defeat to England, Jules, your thoughts? Can he? Can he get? Can can we sack him? Can can he get sacked? Can he? I mean, I I don't understand how you can come up with so much stupidity when you're in that kind of position. When you, we, we this is part. This is part of the problem. And as long as people like him, and you thought, okay, the guy should know. He's he's the head coach of their women's team. But clearly he doesn't. Clearly he doesn't understand what what this is all about. And I just think I, I've got no time for people like him who come up with those stupid things. I'm sorry. This is ugly. I'm glad he apologized for it. I think it's the least that he could do. Yeah. He's been coached. I, I looked him up on Wikipedia because obviously I had no idea who Kenny Shields yeah, was. Yeah. Um, he's been coaching the Northern Ireland women's team since 2019. So he's been around it. Yeah, let's see. I'm hoping works. he realizes... Yeah, well, he must realize he apologized. I'm hoping it's a genuine mm. apology. And he realizes the damage that, that stuff like this does. And, you know, at least he recognized it. At least we're talking about it. It's not lingering in the air. Uh. UFA have dismissed the appeal from uh, Bodo Glimt, uh, manager Kjetil Knudsen. And he won't be on the bench uh, in a few hours on Thursday night when they take on Roma in the uh, second leg of the quarterfinals Europa Conference League. Gab, this was after his role in a brawl in the first leg in the tunnel uh, after they beat Mourinho's Roma 2-1. Okay, so because this happens on Thursday night and we take Thursday morning, I don't normally pay much attention to this, but because it's Mourinho yeah. and it's Bodo Glimp and yeah. it's the second time that, of course, they've beaten Roma, um, I thought this was quite extraordinary. This is a full-on brawl. It's, it did not yeah, involve Mourinho, yeah. by no, the no, way. Yeah. Mourinho apparently was the peacemaker. This is good Mourinho that we're seeing, by yeah. the way. Uh, he's one, one of his assistants, there was some argument that he was punched. Uh, so he, somebody threw a punch and there was a ban. People say there was video. One newspaper here in England says like, oh, look, they, I don't know if you saw this. It said like, video of what happened. And it's not. It's a video of a door. It is a glass door, <laughs> but it has like this big thing in it. You can't tell, you can't, you can't tell what happened behind it. I mean, yeah. um, I, my take is, you know, suspending somebody from being at the game. He's still in contact with his players. Mm. But what I would love to know is... Chetel Knudsen, this is what you should do, Chetel. If you're watching this before the game tonight, get one of those big laundry baskets, the one with That's wheels underneath. Idea. Crawl inside, yeah. right? And have somebody wheel you into the Bodo Glimt. That's a great idea. I That'd want, be cool. Yeah, yeah. You I know. wonder where that come from. Yeah, I wonder, wonder who first thought of that. <laughs> Jules! We have our CONCACAF Champions League yes. finalists. You put this in the quick hit, so I'm yeah, expecting you to have swallowed up on this. This is good. Pumas beat Cruz Azul, and the Seattle Sounders knocked out New York City FC. Yeah, so we've got a final between MLS and Liga MX, which I think is great. You know, it's another chapter in the rivalry between American football and Mexican football, which I think is always good, as long as, you know, it doesn't go crazy. And The legend and of Nicolas Lodeiro only grows. Oh, of course, yeah. And we saw New York City, of course, you know, winning MLS last season. Season. Uh, and now it's when I expected them to qualify for the final. No, it's Seattle. So we, I think we have a cracking game on our hands. That's going to be cool. I will say this, and this is my appeal to broadcasters out there, including FIFA, thanks to FIFA Plus. Um, I'm assuming this game is not going to be on my television. Here, in, here in England? I yeah. don't know. It's a good question. So, I think Sky, who obviously have MLS rights, might be able to. I don't Sky, know. Sky, if you can do it. If not, CONCACAF. Do we know anybody right. at CONCACAF? I don't know. Um, why not stream this game outside Yeah, on of, YouTube or somewhere. Or yeah, any, any, or... any, you should do this. Everybody should do this. Any territory where you don't sell the rights. Yeah, I agree. And if they don't sell the rights where we live, 
Make it available. Yeah. Team up with your friends at FIFA. Put it on FIFA Plus. Uh-huh. Start a CONCACAF Plus channel. I don't care. Nice. Yeah. No, but you know, look, you know, look, there's people with cameras, there's announcers, they are filming this game. It doesn't cost you that much more money or really any no, more money definitely. to gen- then stream it somewhere. And the people would be interested and people would watch for sure. Yeah, and Jules and I would even talk about the exactly. final show. We if will. we can see it. Yeah, if only if we can see it. Fernandinho has decided not to extend his stay at Manchester City and is likely to return to Brazil after nine seasons at the club. Gabi turns 37 next month and as we saw when he came on against Atleti, he can still do a job. Yeah, it was funny here because like Pep said, wait, did he say he's not coming back? Because Fernandinho was like, oh, I don't think so. My family, Brazil. Dude, he turns 37 in May. Time to move on, right? Um, yeah. He's decided that you're happy for him. I don't know if he's going to keep playing. I think he probably could do a job somewhere uh, for uh, a while longer. So, definitely. He's been a phenomenal servant to the club. What's amazing about Fernandinho is I was shocked that it was nine years because he didn't just have a career before that. He had a long yeah, career Shakhtar, before that. Yeah, At Shakhtar Donetsk, yeah. which, which is, he was like, you know, he was, he was a, huge. He was amazing there. He yeah. was huge. You know, I saw it funny that this has happened because on su- on Sunday before the game, um, so the, you know the two teams warm up and then you always have a second goal on the side for to 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 warm up. So you don't you don't hit and you don't practice in the main goal. Right. That's only for your goalkeeper. But if you want to have shots and etc. etc. Often you have another goal, and the city players were on my side, on a pitch side, and that's what they were doing. So you had Bernardo and De Bruyne and whoever they want, Gabriel Jesus, all of that. And who was laying the ball to them was Fernandinho, like if he was already an assistant coach. And I really thought seeing them doing that, I was like, okay, maybe then that's that's next for him. He's going to be part of Pep's technical staff and be and do his badges and everything like others. So I was a bit surprised because he looked so happy to be there and, and be a coach almost yeah. for that team. And I'll tell you what, he doesn't speak very often, at least not in English, and mm. so people don't always realize this. But I'm told by people who know him, wow, he is one of the smartest, most intelligent yeah, uh, I'm not surprised. In the Premier League. I'm not surprised. Really, really a good guy. FIFA have introduced their own streaming service, wow. imaginatively called FIFA Plus. I wonder yeah. where they got that idea, I know, Jules. Me too. Uh, but look, they're going to have every single game from their archive, past World Cups, 2,000 plus games, yeah. uh, documentaries, original Love documentaries. That. And also, I think FIFA games in like different regions for which they don't sell the rights. And it's all free. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm a bit surprised. It's a quiet, it's a quiet week in terms of quickies. We're not going to lie, but I'm, I, I'm happy because. Uh, can we, see, can we tell people our producer Freddie yeah, told us to put really this in? He put this in, and I guess you and I have done a lot of those FIFA documentaries where you talk about the greatest goals in World Cup history, and you talk about this and you talk about that. So it's 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 for people to watch more of our shows. Even no, I'm more seriously, yeah. I think it's great. I uh, think it's great because the one thing we should never forget, and we teach our kids. To, to never forget about the past, the heritage, what and, happened before, the greatest players yeah, of Yeah, I, I also think, like, you know, people are going to say this, like, oh, how's it going to compete with Amazon, ESPN+, Plus, blah, blah, blah. Is this a yes, FIFA also have a public service thing. There's 211 yeah. nations in FIFA. Exactly. I don't know how much these other streaming services, the commercial ones, are available in other parts of the world. I don't know how, how easy it is to watch them. I don't know. You know, I... I, I I think this is, for once, a positive thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I will subscribe for sure. And I know you will too. Gab, uh, let's hand on a sad note though, because former Colombia captain Freddy Rincon has died uh, early this morning on Thursday after suffering severe injuries due to a car accident. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a sad story whenever somebody, somebody passes, um, especially in, in such, a, such a tragic, yeah. sudden, sudden way. I remember Rincon scoring a great goal in the 1990 World Cup. Um, he's one of those guys who came to Europe. He came to Parma first. He had a stint at yeah, Real Madrid. Yeah, Napoli, I think. Uh, he had a year in Napoli. And he was kind of like this tall guy who was also athletic and, yeah. and skillful, cunning in from the side. But then he really had his best years back in Brazil at, mm. at Corinthians. Just European football didn't quite suit him, um, but a class act. And of course, he was a part of those legendary Colombian teams with, uh, uh, with, with Carlos Valderrama, yeah. the ones who were undefeated heading into the 94 World Cup. And uh, he scored in that 5 0 win against Argentina. Remember in those World Cup 94 qualifiers, the incredible 5 0 yeah. win? So Freddie Rincon. He was 55, so yeah. A bit special. Right, Jules, we're going to come back on Monday uh, because we have another 
Manchester City Liverpool game <laughs> oh, to talk yeah. through, as well as the FA Cup semi-finals. Plenty going on all around Europe. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle, Taco Tuesday over salad. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/gabjules. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/gabjules now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/gabjules.